0: How are we doing today? Good. Okay. How many of you are still tired? Huh? Okay. Kind of. kind of. Just kind of. Okay. How many of you, your counselor, had to wake you up this morning? More than once. More than once. Anyone? Okay. Just a few. All right. We'll see if that increases uh, by the end of the week. All right. So we are going to be in Psalm 62 today, so open up your notes, open up your Bibles. So we are on Wednesday, should say in there, Troubles Coming, that's what you should see at the top of it. Uh, We will be in Psalm chapter 62, so if you have your Bibles, open up to Psalm chapter 62, and we're going to be looking at what it means to be immovable. we could advance the slide, Noah. That'd be great. Thank you. All right. Theme verse for the year. Let's, Let's say it together. But thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, my beloved brothers, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that in the Lord your labor is not in vain. All right. So today we're looking at what it means to be immovable. If we could just advance that slide again, Noah, I think you're going to have to follow along with me. So what it means to be immovable. Here's my son, Clay. Uh, both Paisley and Clay, they're very photogenic. And uh, Clay sometimes has great faces as well. He really wanted to go in the water in this picture. And uh, thank you, Pastor Phil. And uh, so that, that's the face that he made to my wife because he really wanted to get back in the water. But uh, what does it mean... To be immovable. I think it's important for us to know the definition of words. Vocabulary was one of my favorite things in English class. It was fun to learn what words meant. It's important to know what words mean, right? What the intent is behind that and everything like that. We're going to look at that further on this week. But what does it mean to be immovable? So immovable means not, not able to be moved unshakable or steady, not able to be moved, unshakable or steady. How many of you would like to be unshakable, steady within your life, to be immovable, right? When we think of something that's immovable, we think of something that's big, right? We think of something like rocks. We think of something like a mountain, right? Okay. Got a game for us today. Some of you are going to have a chance to win a 12-pack of Mountain Dew. And not just any Mountain Dew, but we've got the dew USA Code Red, and also Major Melon. all right? So we think about immovable. We're going to think about a mountain or a rock, right? All right, so look in front of you. If on the chair in front of you there is a zip tie around that chair, take a look. It's going to be right in front of you, so front row, sorry, you guys are out of this one. I know. I know. I should have, should have just given you guys the chance. Okay, so who has the zip ties? There's, there should be one over here. Come on up. Come on up. Okay, there should be one over here towards the back. Who's got it? Come on up. And then there should be one right here. Come on up. All right. You guys are going to have a chance to win some Mountain Dew. All right. What's your name? Uh, Dylan, Dylan, where are you from? Uh, Ankeny. You're from Ankeny. Okay, that's a great place. All right, what's your name? Camden. Camden, Where are you from, Camden? Iowa. Iowa. Okay. Ben. Ben. Where are you from, Ben? Emmitsburg. Emmitsburg. All right, that's a nice place out there. I like Emmitsburg. Good football team, right? Yeah. Okay. All right, you guys ready? Who wants to go first? Dylan. All right, Dylan. Okay, Dylan, here's what you have to do. You got to stand right here. Okay, look at the slide. We have two different mountains. One is Mount Everest and one is Pikes Peak. Okay, you have to choose which one is Mount Everest. So, if you stand on this side, you're saying that the mountain on the right side of the slide is Mount Everest. If you stand on this side, you're saying that the mountain on the left is Mount Everest, okay? All right, so you got five seconds. One, two, three, four, five. All right, let's see, what is it? Ah, you got it. So pick which one you want. Good job. Major melon, that's a good choice. Thank you, Dylan. Make sure not to open those right now. All right, who wants to go next? All right, right here. Okay, let's go, Ben. Give it up for Ben. You guys can help him. You guys can say right or left. All right, let's pull up those next ones. Okay, so on one side we have Mount St. Helens, and on the other side we have Count Mil- Kilimanjaro. You have to choose. you have to choose which one is Mount Kilimanjaro. OK? So if you think that Mount Kilimanjaro is this one, you stand on the right, okay? or the left. All right. One, two, three, four, five. All right, let's see. You got it! All right, pick your choice. The USA. All right, Camden. Are you ready? Think you can do this? <laughs> All right. On one side, we have Mount Denali, and on the other side, we have Mount Rainier. Okay? I want you to choose which one is Mount Rainier, right or left, what do you think? One, two, that final choice, final decision. This is it. All right, let's see, let's see. Hey, we, we got it, there we go. Take the code red. Thank you, Camden, good job, good job, guys. We Counselors, you're welcome. <laughs> we think of something that's immovable. Could any of us move any of these mountains? No. Do you think that we could push them, pick them up, carry them away? No, they're solid. They're steady. They're not going anywhere, right? If we could advance the slide to the next one. How many of you have ever been in a free fall before? Huh? Yeah. You wish? Yeah, I, I don't ever really want to do anything like this. In fact, I know of a theologian who said... Uh, Why would I jump out of an airplane and put God to the test? I mean, it says in the Bible not to test God, right? Sorry, I'm just, it's it's a joke. All right, great. So uh, (laughs) maybe, maybe you've been in a free fall because you've seen your friend. You've been backpacking all week, right? You're up in the UP of of Michigan. You're going through these different mountains. And uh, actually, they're all the same one, the Porcupine Mountains. And your friend had to backpack out, go out before you. And grab the van with the youth leader, and they're coming back. And, and you had to take his load on your back so you've got an extra heavy pack of like 60 to 70 pounds... And you're backpacking, and you see your friend off in the distance, and you get really excited because it's your friend. You want to see him. You're just happy that you're done backpacking. The van is here, so you start sprinting after your friend, and the backpack is tossing back and forth, and there's this bridge up in front of you, and you jump onto the bridge, and there's no railing on bridges like this, and out of nowhere, the backpack shifts one way, and you start to go, and you fall off of the bridge into the river below. Maybe you've lost your footing like that. I don't know of anyone who's done something like that. Uh, Or maybe, maybe you had cut out a piece of drywall and you're going up a ladder, right? And uh, you've got to put it up above the false ceiling because you're trying to soundproof a room and you climb up the ladder and you get up there and you twist to put it into place and the ladder twists below you as well and you fall through the false ceiling onto the ground, Maybe you've been in a free fall like that before. It's quite scary to be in a free fall. Or maybe, just maybe, you're having a balloon fight with your brothers and sisters at home, right? And and your parents let you take a water balloon up to the roof where you have a balcony. And for some reason, there's no railing on this balcony. It's just the flat top of a garage. And you really want to hit your brother or sister, and they're making fun of you because you've missed them every single time that you have thrown a water balloon at them. So you, you get right up there and they're making fun of you and you toss that balloon and you follow the balloon down to the ground and you fall a story down to the ground and you're in a free fall. Unfortunately, all three of those stories happened to me. And when you're in the midst of a free fall, you just start grabbing for anything that's around you. You just start trying to like flail, and then when you hit the ground, the first and last story, you just belly flop, right? It's painful, it's terrible. Free falls are no fun to go through. Yeah, so free falls are terrifying. In our Christian walk, we can go through free falls when we start relying on our emotions, when we re- start relying on ourselves, and, and we think that we can do everything in our own strength, right? One day you'll come to the end of yourself and you'll realize that you can't do it all. David is telling us here in Psalm 62 that we have a solid rock, that we have a firm foundation, that, that, that we have a refuge in a salvation in God alone. That's what we're going to be looking at today. I want you guys to not ever go through a spiritual free fall where you don't know what's going on, what to believe, what's up or down, or where you're going to land. That's much scarier than a real free fall. So, big question today. Big question today is, when trouble comes into your life, where will you run? What are you going to do? Think about that. When trouble comes into your life... Here's, here's a universal truth for you all today. There are going to be hard times in your life. What are you placing your faith in? What are you going to do when those hard times come? What, what do you think hard times could be? They, they could be multiple things. We, we think of trouble and we just think of times when pain accompanies us, right? It could be falling and scratching up our knee to, to losing a loved one at home to being separated from mom and dad for the week, to being separated from our families. There's many different hard times that we're going to go through, and in fact, through our lives, as a Christian, we will go through hard times. We will have trouble coming into our lives. We are all going to suffer in one way or another. Let's look at how David responded to when trouble came into his life in Psalm 62. See, here in Psalm 62, what was probably going on in David's life is that his son was chasing him to kill him. How many of you think that that would be a hard time, that that would be troubling in your life? Yeah, that would be, be pretty terrifying to have someone coming after you with an army trying to kill you, right? So it, it's, it's believed that he probably wrote this psalm while he was Fleeing from his son in the wilderness. So let's read verses 5 through 8. For God alone, O my soul, wait in silence. For my hope is from him. He only is my rock and my salvation. My fortress I shall not be shaken. On God rests my salvation and my glory. My mighty rock My refuge is God. Trust in him at all times, O people. Pour out your heart before him. God is a refuge for us. Let's pray. God, I thank you for allowing us to be here this week. It's not a mistake that any of us are here this week. God, you are sovereign and through you, all things consist. God, I pray that uh, as we dig into your word, as we dive into your word today, Lord, that you would allow us to take your word, apply it to our lives, that when trouble comes in our lives, that we would turn to you as our rock and refuge, that we would see you only as our salvation alone and nothing else. In your blessed name, amen. All right, three ways that God can be our rock. He can be our mountain. He can make us immovable. It's not us by ourselves that can become immovable. You can try that all you want, but you will never be able to make yourself immovable. It is God who is immovable. And when we place our trust and we go to Him, we will not be shaken, we will not be moved. We will be able to have a firm rock to take refuge in, to protect ourselves in. So first thing is that we're looking at today is God alone is our salvation. God alone is our salvation. We see this right away. For God alone, O oh my soul, wait in silence, for my hope is from him. This is not a wishy-washy hope. This is a firm belief that God will save him. That God has everything under control and that God is working in the midst of his life. We can think of another time in David's life when he tried to take everything into his own control, right? David and Bathsheba. David sins with Bathsheba. She becomes pregnant. And then he realizes, oh no, we have a problem here. So he brings Bathsheba's husband home from the war. And he ends up murdering him, right? Takes it into his own hands. And then he thinks that he can just cover it all up. Like, this never happened. He marries Bathsheba. And then later on, Nathan comes to him and and tells him a story about this man who steals a lamb, right? That he shouldn't have stolen. David becomes irate. Who is this man? Nathan says, you, David, are the man. David is crushed. You cannot save yourself from trouble. You cannot save yourself from trouble. It's coming in your life. Whether you cause it in your own way or just by living in this world, trouble will come. Remember yesterday morning when we were talking about that great hall of faith, and we have these men who by faith, men and women, who by faith trusted the Lord, right? They trusted the Lord, but they still had things happen to them. In fact, in, in the end of chapter eleven, it talks about how they were uh, some were torn, sawn in two. You have Jeremiah, the weeping prophet, who just went through blunder after blunder after blunder in his life, but he still trusted God as people accused him, mocked him, tried to kill him, and then ultimately did at the end of his life. So he's thrown. Could you imagine being thrown into a pit? For preaching God's word? That's what what happened to Jeremiah. Even though they had their faith placed in God, they still went through hard times in their life. And in the midst of those troubles, the prophet Jeremiah, he continued to trust in God. What are you going to do when trouble comes? Where are you going to run? Are you going to try to fix it all on your own? Are you going to try to change it in your own strength? What are you going to do? David turns to God. He realizes that God alone is his salvation, that he is in control of everything. You cannot save yourself from trouble. It is coming. In fact, in John 16, 33, if we could advance the slide two to, to ahead there. Noah, that'd be great. One more. Go ahead and throw that text up there. Okay, great. Jesus is talking to his disciples, and he said, I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. You will have suffering in this world. Be courageous, for I have conquered the world. In this verse, does Jesus promise his disciples an easy and prosperous life? No, he doesn't. What does he promise them? Suffering. All right, how many of you want to suffer, right? <laughs> not me. I don't want to suffer. Suffering is not fun. But through the process of suffering, sometimes God is clipping the hedges, the bush, trimming the, the, the tree in our life. He, he is he's taking branches off of us that are dead, that need to be pruned, that need to be taken away. So that way we will turn to Him and trust in Him. God alone is our salvation. He's the only one that can save us. He is in control of it all. Second thing to to remember today is God alone is our refuge. God alone is our refuge. How many of you know what a refuge is? All right, right here, what is it? Yeah. Okay, it is a safe... Spot. So let's go ahead and look at that. A refuge is a shelter or protection from danger or distress. Great job there. Shelter or protection from danger or distress. So as David says here, that God alone is my refuge. He is turning to God for protection from danger or distress. He is turning to God from danger or distress. David is seeking shelter in the sovereignty of God. Sovereignty means that God is all powerful, that he's in control of everything. Big word, big concept. We need to know these different characteristics of God so that way we know who he is and what our refuge is. So, just as we talked about those prophets before, some of them died. And we would think, God, why didn't you protect them more? They died. As we've been learning about the resurrection this week, as Pastor Tim has been teaching us about that, the worst thing that could happen to us on earth is that we would be killed, right? But does that mean that we're dead forever? No, it means that we would be present with the Lord if our faith is placed in Jesus Christ's work on the cross, his life, death, and resurrection. Don't look at the temporal, the short timeline that we have here on earth. Look towards the eternal aspects. God is an eternal being. We will one day reside with him in eternity. That's forever and ever and ever. How many of you ever just thought about that? I used to lay awake at night as a kid and I would just think about like, there's never going to be an end. God was never created or he's always been. And I would try to think of that time and it would just like hurt my brain, right? There was never a starting point or a finish and it just keeps going. David is also resting and trusting in God to work. He knows that God's going to figure out. David is waiting in silence. He's telling his soul to be silent, to wait. Remind yourself of that when trouble comes. Be patient. I need to tell Paisley and Clay that often. Okay, guys, we need to be patient and I'll try to have them say it. Paisley says it like this still. shapens." That's great. We need to be patient in silence and calm our souls with the promises that we have in God. Reminding ourselves of the God that we have placed our faith in. I was golfing this week with Cade and Lucas and asking them questions of what they like to do, and, uh, and they like to play Minecraft. How many of you in here like to play Minecraft, right? Yeah? Okay. Great. Awesome. So I was asking them, I was asking them about the different aspects of Minecraft. I've never really played it before, and, and how, what you do. I know, I'm sorry, for shame, right? So sorry. So, they're explaining to me how to play Minecraft, and I said, well. Are there bad things in Minecraft? And they're like, yeah, there's lots of bad things in Minecraft that can, that can hurt you. Well, how do you protect yourself from that? Well, you got to build yourself a house that nothing can get in, right? So you have to go out, get resources, go back and build yourself a house or a refuge, a safe place to where you can go back and be sheltered from the things within the Minecraft created world that can get your, your character, Right? I would encourage you in your life to build a refuge out of God's promises. In fact, a good activity for you would be to study God's word, to go through and to write down different characteristics of who God is, what God has promised to you. And then when trouble comes, when when you don't know what to do, you can go back to this and you can start reminding yourselves of the promises of God loves me. Christ came and died for me so that way I have salvation through Him. That one day I will be with God forever. That I can trust God because He says that He... He will do what He says He's going to do. That I know that God is in control. That God is not surprised by the events that are unfolding within my life. Young men, I would encourage you to start that now. Even draw out little rocks as you build up this fortress with the different passages and promises that God has given to us. Reminding yourself of who God is. So that way when trouble comes, you can run back to that and remind yourself of those truths. You can even make it like a little Minecraft refuge, right? So David here sees God alone as his refuge. He sees him alone as his salvation. And then David turns in verse 8 and he says, Trust in him at all times, O people. Pour out your heart before him. God is a refuge for us. So the third thing that we need to do today is acknowledge your dependence on God alone. Acknowledge your dependence on God alone. That it is God alone who sustains you, who keeps you living, that has allowed you to have life that has allowed you to see the glory of his salvation, that through his Holy Spirit he has pulled back the blinders and allowed you to see the truth for what it is. As a child of God, we need to acknowledge our dependence on God alone. That's what David is saying here when he says, pour out your heart to God. People, pour your heart out to God. You can think of it like a cup, right? What would happen if I took this cup and turned it upside down? It would spill, wouldn't it? I don't know. Do you think there's anything in it? Is there anything in here? What do you think? Is there water in there? Yeah. Okay. So, so if I were to take this and I were to dump it out here, can I, can I get that back? Did I hold anything back there when I poured that out? No, it's all out. So when we pour our hearts out to God, we are not going to leave anything back. Guess what? God already knows what you're thinking. God already knows what's inside your heart. In fact, in Jeremiah chapter 17, it says that it is God alone who tests, who searches our hearts. See, when we have these trials, these sufferings, these hard times that come into our lives, sometimes it's a test to see what's in our heart, to show us what is truly in our heart. Continue to pray and ask God for help. So why do we need to pray? Here's a question for you to think about today. Why do we need to pray if God already knows our thoughts, if God already knows what's in our hearts? even before we know what's in our hearts. Because sometimes we think we know what's in our hearts, but actually we don't because that hard time comes and and then it reveals what's actually residing within us, right? And I'm not really dependent upon God. Then I'm dependent upon myself. It's an act of humbling yourself and reminding yourself that you are dependent upon God alone, asking him for help. That's what David is is telling us. It's an, asp- an aspect of prayer is for our good, is naming our dependence on him. It's a reminder for us that it is on God alone that we are dependent. We are needy people. I don't like to be seen as needy. I don't like to be seen that I need help. In fact, I don't even like to accept help many times, right? Because I can do it by myself. I'm a man. I should be able to do this, right? Let's go ahead and advance that slide, Noah. All right, we got two boats here. One's a John boat with a tiller prop motor on it, and the other's a pontoon boat. You're probably wondering, how do these two things go together? When I was dating Taylor, I had planned a really good activity out at Big Creek State Park. I rented a little fishing boat. We like to go fishing together, so we were going to go out onto the water, and we were going to fish. And we are going to have a great time. And as we're getting into the boat, we've got our fishing poles in, we've got everything, we're ready to go. And this little kid is trying to tell me, a 19-year-old, how to drive the boat, right? was like, pshh, I've driven a boat many times. Taylor's sitting there. He was 14 or something like that. And uh, he's trying to explain it to me. I said, I don't need your help. I know how to drive this boat. And he said, okay. Pulled the, pulled the engine. It was running. He said, okay, have fun. So I... Put, went full throttle on the tiller prop because we were going to get out of there, right? We are going to go have fun. And I went to turn left because there was a boat coming. So I pushed the prop. Or no, I did that backwards. We needed to go right. So I pushed the tiller prop to the right and we went left. I thought, what in the world? So I pushed it further to the right because we needed to turn right. And now we're going left. And I didn't know what to do. So I threw my hands up because we were about to hit another boat. And all I said was, Taylor, Taylor, Taylor. And it was too late. We actually hit the pontoon boat, went up into it, and the panel went flying off. It's true. It really happened. We were probably 20 feet from the dock, guys. This pontoon boat was docked next to us. And I turn back, and the kid is standing there in shock, like, did that just happen? He straightened himself up as I turned back to him because I thought he was going to be like, hey, get off the boat, dude. You obviously have no clue what you're doing. The only boats I had ever driven had a steering wheel. You'd think that I would have been able to figure that out, but it was a panic moment. I didn't know what to do. And he said, okay, so like I was trying to tell you before, we own that boat, it's going to be okay, so just push on out. So we pushed out of it. He said, when you need to turn right, pull the prop left. And when you need to turn left, push it right. That's what he's trying to tell me, but I quieted him because I thought that I had it all under control in my life, in that boat. Well, we do that same thing in our lives. We think that we have everything under control and we we actually silence everything else and we only listen to ourselves and we listen to our emotions. We listen to our own instincts. And guess what, guys? Your emotions, if, if your heart is not centered on God, they will steer you wrong. They will send you into a free fall like what we talked about before. You will be reaching for the air, not knowing where to go. That's why our faith needs to be based on fact and not feelings. Fact and not feelings. We need to stop, listen, and think about what God has told us. We need to stop, listen, and think about what God has told us to do. Use your minds that God has given to you. If you could advance the slide next. There was a time where I thought that I was immovable within my own life. I would say things like, I'm never going to work at Huber Supply when I grew up. Huber Supply was our family-owned and operated business since 1939, still is. Right over in Mason City, we've got a branch up in Owatonna, everything like that. Well, they do. Uh, And from the age of 10, I would work down there on Saturdays doing inventory and different things like that. At age 14, I got advanced to the docks because I could work up there. And in the summers, I'd fill oxygen cylinders and different things like that. And I'd go along on truck rides when, when a driver was injured and I would wrangle the tanks on and off the, uh, the back of the truck. And I, I said, I will never work here when I get older. Guess what? I ended up working at Huber's for a while. Went to school, came back, worked at Huber's. And uh, at the age of 19, I asked my dad to start going out on cold calls. He laughed at me and said, okay, I'll let you do it for one day. If you set up any meetings, we'll see if you can do this further. Well... I switched two accounts that day and uh, set up a meeting with Caterpillar in Owatonna, Minnesota. And my dad was like, okay, I guess you can keep doing this. And uh, so then soon, soon after, a year later, uh, he had to make some moves up at the Owatonna branch. And he said, Cody, I'd like you to run the store up there. Would you want to do that? And I said, yes, I, I would. I would love to do that. So moved up to Owatonna, got married that year, and uh, had my career in front of me. Another thing I said I would never do was move up to Minnesota. Guess what I did so working at Huber's, living in Minnesota, and our store kept growing in fact, every year we doubled in size and it, it never really never really provided satisfaction. I was building my own little kingdom up there and thought that I was in control of everything. I was involved at church and And went on some missions trips to India. Had a great time over there. And God broke me while I was over there. I realized that I was living completely for myself. I thought I was the big cheese. I thought that I could do anything. Realized that God was pulling me towards ministry and had to make the hard decision of leaving that career of what I thought. But as I kept trying to find more and more satisfaction and gaining more accounts of, of getting more things within my life, none of it fulfilled it. In fact, when trouble came, there was issues at work, I would just work harder and I thought that I could fix it. There wasn't enough work to do to fix what was going on in my heart because I was relying on myself. Young men, I would challenge you today to not rely on yourself but to pour your hearts out to God to name your dependence on him alone, to look for ways in which how you can follow his will on a daily basis, following out the commands that he has for you. We can get stuck in the big picture easily. Look at the little things that you can do. Write them out as you study God's word. What does God want me to do today? And do them. As we close today, as we go to truth into action, Remember these three things. God is the ultimate rescuer and deliverer. He is our life preserver. Sometimes we need to come to the end of ourselves before we can be saved. In fact, there's the story of a man who was standing on the bank. He was a really good swimmer, and there was someone drowning in the, in the water in front of him. And he stood there, and people asked him, why, didn't you, why aren't you jumping in to save him? He said, just Wait. Just wait. And this guy was panicking as he couldn't swim. And just as he was starting to go under the water, he jumped out there, went and saved the man, brought him back to shore. And they asked him later, why did you wait so long? He said, because if I would have gone out in the midst of his panic, he would have drowned both of us. I needed to wait for him to give up trying to save himself. Guys, see God as the ultimate rescuer and deliverer Second thing is God wants us to come to him as a refuge. Remind yourself of the characteristics of God. Build for yourself a refuge out of his characteristics, out of who he is. And last, don't hesitate. Don't wait to go to God with your troubles. Don't hold it back like, oh, this is not important enough for God to deal with. Or, oh, I can take care of this on my own. I should be able to man up and just do this. If you want to be a man of God, continue to ask God for help in every area of your life. Pray to him daily. Don't hesitate. God wants us to come to him. He wants us to see him as our refuge. Trouble's coming, guys. We're going to go through hard times within our lives. Where are you going to run when trouble comes? Let's pray. God, I thank you for today. I thank you for allowing us to be here. God, I thank you for your word and the authority that uh, we are able to rest in in your word, that we, we are able to see in your word. God, I pray that each one of us would see you as the immovable rock within our lives, that we would fix our hope and our salvation in you alone. In your blessed name, amen.